Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth bringing you quality hunting clothing and packs at a price you deserve. Check them out at huntworthgear.com. Definitely check out that grayling. Again, like I said at last episode, on my list, the next thing that I'm going to be purchasing from Huntworth. Uh, finally got my hands on one and must have for me for this season. Um, this week's podcast, we're talking to a local Michigan guy um, who kind of was unhappy with the Michigan situation hunted out of state for a lot of years and uh, kind of got out of hunting. He's back into hunting uh, again in the last few um, and is starting to focus his energy here in Michigan. Uh, great perspective. Uh, if you're planning on going out of state, if you're a new hunter, if it's a first trip out of state uh, for whitetail, Matt has a great perspective and kind of puts things in a very digestible way like it's a very positive attitude and a very realistic outlook for these trips and i think you guys can definitely uh get something from this podcast um really i, I know i did so anyways uh, as far as the podcast goes lots going on getting ready for this patreon hunt um last episode with wilderness athlete just got a bunch of wilderness athlete um uh, hydration packs and energy packs, uh, from them for, uh, the Patreon hunt, uh, got all that stuff from Redline. 
tons of stuff, getting all the logistics. Um, so for all of you guys that are planning on going, so many guys are coming from out of state. Like I can't thank you enough. Uh, really, really looking forward to it. And uh, that's where my focus has been and getting ready for the season, getting my trad bow ready, uh, getting my bows ready, doing some shooting. Uh, Zinger Fletching sent me, uh, they hate it when I do this, but they sent me another new set of Fletchings. Uh, that's their version three, 2.0. They call these the silent, but deadly. Um, and they want to know how they work. So I'm going to be shooting those, um, for them. Um, got a couple of different broadheads we're going to be shooting this year. Real, real excited about that. Um, lots going on in a short bit of time season here in Michigan is going to be, uh, starting before we know it. So make sure you get out there, uh, you know, shoot a whole bunch of arrows, start getting in that rhythm, take realistic shots, shoot from your saddles, shoot from your stand, um, all that stuff. And for those guys, the Patreons, um, Patreon hunt, real excited about that. Like I said, uh, new Patreon to the fold. Uh, Michael Capobianco, I believe is the name. Uh, out of Milan. Uh, thank you. Uh, James and Eric, I have not forgot about you guys. I'm getting your swag packs out this week. Should be on Thursday. So, Michael, I need a shirt size from you, um, and I'll get your shirt and your swag pack out. And now Michael is, again, eligible for all of the giveaways from all of our partners. Um you know, Spartan Forge, they just launched their latest update with the LIDAR and as well as the Blue Force Tracker. I've been using the LIDAR. I have not messed with the Blue Force Tracker yet, um, but we're working on getting that integrated into the Patreon hunt so we can see where each other's at. We can kind of track each other, all that stuff. Uh, maybe you don't want that. Maybe that's the worst thing in hunting, but for hunting as a group or, you know, with your hunting buddies, uh, great, great technology um, so we're going to be testing that out and their imaging, it just continues to impress me. Um, and we're getting into that type, part of the year where the AI is. Um, so that deer prediction, like kind of tells you where you'd want to be, um, uh, depending on the day, on the wind, on the weather. So definitely check them out. Spartanforge.ai. You can use code bowhunter to save 25%. And it's not that expensive anyways, but you know, who doesn't want to save 25% latitude. Those guys, they're already hunting, you know, they've already been to Kentucky and back and now they're back in Kentucky again. Um, all sorts of hunts coming up with those guys. Um, got in, got my sticks, got them all cell stripped up. Um, those are ready to go for the season. Um, you can save 15% using code BHC at latitude and, their ropes are some of the best that are out there, but their 10 millimeter ropes, which are a little bit less expensive, um, are super flexible and pack up really well compared to some of the, you know, original 10 or 11 millimeter ropes we're used to using. Um, so definitely uh, check those out, especially if you're on a budget. Those um, 10 millimeter ropes from Latitude are, are pretty awesome. Uh, Big Shot Targets, you can save 10% there uh, using code BCP. They, their deer target is modeled after a 110 pound deer. And for the trad stuff, for me, getting that site picture is amazing. And all of these companies give stuff away to our Patreons every quarter. Uh, so basically for that 17 cents a day, 33 cents a day, whatever, if you appreciate the podcast, you know, you can support us, but also we're doing that to give back where we've got our Marco Polo group, which is like a 
essentially 24 seven, uh, deer camp, uh, going on with a bunch of great guys. Um, you know, items from Genesis 3d lucky buck, uh, Huntworth Huntworth is giving away, um, their Elkins vest, which that coupled with that grayling hoodie, um, is going to be my go-to. Um, and then they're doing their Casper heat boost, uh, base layers as well as those Ames bowhunter gloves. So, um, lots of great stuff from great companies. Zinger, we already talked about them. Uh, but Kanadi arrows, they give away a dozen arrows, like all these opportunities, not only for the companies that we talk about and we say, Oh, look at how great they are. No, we're giving you an opportunity to, to prove that too. So, um, you know, patreon.com forward slash bowhunter chronicles podcast, check it out. You can click the link on our website or Instagram, um, helps out the show, helps us do things like the Patreon hunt. Um, we're doing that Patreon bear hunt in Montana next year. So, um, really excited about that, but all of that, we're building the community and making sure that we give back to the people that support us directly. So, um, you know, check that out. It'd mean the world to us. If not, don't worry about it. We know that you're going to enjoy the episode that you like this. Just tell somebody else about it. Say, Hey, check this episode out. Check these guys out. All that stuff. Thank you for listening. Thanks for the support. Good luck this season. And we'll see you out there. Hey everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the bow hunter Chronicles podcast, Adam and John, once again, uh, if you can believe it, like so twice they, in a month. I would or so. say twice in a month. I'm back. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> um, back with another podcast. We're going to do, um, you know, with this guy's a, a, one of these guys, maybe you've seen on Instagram as the great white saddle hunter. And I want to get into that. Like, that's a, that's a pretty <laughs> bold statement, right? Um, Matt Lair, uh, kind of, kind of local to us here, what, Grand Haven area? Holland. Holland. Yep. Yeah. So, yep. so not, not far at all. And, uh, hooked up with him through Instagram. I think it was last year. And for whatever reason, John, I think he messaged me and was like, Hey man, I like what you guys are doing. Um, I don't really have any like hunting partners or buddies. I'm kind of like looking for someone to hunt with. And I'm like scrolling through his stuff and I'm like, I think you're kind of like out of my league, bud. Like, I think you're doing a little bit, uh, better than I am, but I can, I can see what we can come up with. And uh, <laughs> then you ended up uh, needing a ticket to the, the Mobile Hunters Roadshow and mm-hmm. uh, found one for you and got to meet you in person and just been kind of bouncing off uh, each other since then. Um, but I, I feel like, well, we'll get into like a little bit of introduction. So how are you doing, Matt? Yeah, good. Just got back from Nebraska and that was a grind, but uh, yeah, feeling good. Um I did not actually connect with a buck down there, but we were in the deer the whole time. So, um, I've definitely had to knock some rust off from last year. Um, you think, you know, you do the same setup every single year, but, um, you know, it still was tough the first couple of times climbing up in the tree, but yeah, doing, doing good, excited for the season. Um, got a lot of different changes for me this year. So yeah, I can't wait for it to get started. So what, how did you grow up hunting? Like what's your hunting background? Yeah, it's, I'm a little different, I think, than a lot of the people that I run into from Michigan. I didn't start until I was 23 years old. Um, I dabbled in it just because everyone around me um, hunted, but none of my family hunted. And so there were a few times where a friend took me out to the woods or something like that. But when I was 23, I remember I had a, my best friend uh, was from Howard City and he hunted all the time. 
we were at the bar and I don't know, it was like one o'clock in the morning. It was like, Hey, do you want to go hunting with me the next day? Bow hunting. I've never shot a bow. And I'm like, yeah, sounds fun. Let's do it. You know? So we went up, up to his house, turned on the lights to the car. I'm shooting the bow and I'm like four inches, right. He's like, just remember that tomorrow. You're four inches, right. And we go and, you know, hit, hit the hay, get up a few hours later. And then, uh, I climbed up and, uh, we were using climbers, um, which was interesting my first time because the top fell and I'm like balancing on the bottom, you know, just scared out of my mind. And he always hunted high. So it was like, I'm watching him. We were pretty close to each other. And uh, I had a nice eight point, probably, I don't know, 100, 110 inch eight point come in um, within 10 yards. And I, I just couldn't shoot. I was, I was froze, but after that I was pretty hooked, you know? And um, so started hunting when I was 23 um, did it, you know, pretty much the Michigan way, except we were, we were state land always, we were mobile from the get go. So back then it was, you know, climbers primarily. Um, and then, uh, ran into some John Eberhardt stuff and trophy line saddles, bought one of those relatively quick into it. And I've been hunting saddles up until this year, I think for like next or the last 16 years, I think primarily. Um, but did it the Michigan way for a long time. And so brown, it's down, you know, just want to get my bucks. That was the the primary focus Hunted state land the entire time. And then, um, I had to take a break. Um, we just had some family stuff going on. It was good stuff, but just needed more of my attention. I'm a all in kind of guy. So if I'm going to do something, I'm going to be obsessed about it. And, uh, I just needed my attention to be at home and, uh, had a young family. Um, I'm older, you know, I'm 46 now. So, um, I had to take some time off, took about seven years off of, of hunting and then came back about five years ago. And when I came back for whatever reason, I don't know what it was, but I'd shifted, uh, my mindset and how I hunt. And, um, and it, it just, kind of changed the game for me, which we'll get into a little bit later, probably. But, um, prior to that, like even before I came back, I started hunting out of state quite a bit. Um, I was, you know, I just wasn't seeing the, the caliber of bucks that I wanted to see here in Michigan. They are here. I'm, I mean, I learned that later on down the road. Um, but I was so used to watching like Drury and, you know, stuff like that, that, I wanted to see a bigger buck. And, um, so I started venturing out and the first place I ever went to was Nebraska and, um, shot a, I don't know what it was probably about 120 inch, seven point, 125 inch, seven point down there. And then I was hooked to hunting out of state. So primarily did out of state, took a break for about seven, eight years and then came back. And then the last five, six years been, um, hunting out of state until this year. And now I'm, I'm focused on, Still some out-of-state stuff. Like I said, I just got back from Nebraska, but also hunting Michigan this year. Pretty hard. So, yeah. So in that time, like, from when you started for the original... Well, so I got to ask, like, with the with the, 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 the first time hunting and bow hunting and all that, like, I mean, I know John's group of friends, and I know John's stories about crazy things like that i can mm-hmm. think of one turkey in particular um but <laughs> <Portal>. <laughs> 
<laughs> but like, you know, what was it like in a climber the first time? Cause I know I remember like me learning in a climber uh, and not in the dark and not in the morning and not after the bar, mm-hmm. all of these things. I know that I've taught people who, you know, get up, they're not afraid of heights and none of this stuff. And they're like, I think I'm high enough. And I'm like, you're not high enough. I'm pretty sure I'm high enough. And I'm like, I think you're seven feet off the ground. Like, No way. Just walk over there and grab the bottom of it. So like that first experience in the climber, like what, how would did that go? Oh man, I was terrified. So, um, crazy enough, I was able to hook it up fine. Um, but, uh, my buddy RJ was probably only, I don't know, 25, 30 yards from me. And we had walkie talkies. And like the little earpieces and stuff. <laughs> and so he's he's kind of giving me instruction, like, go, go, go. And I'm just watching him. And he's like, just go as high as I am. Um, and like I said, I dropped that top bar. I was terrified at that point. And back then, I mean, we just weren't doing safety, right? Like, cool. we didn't have harnesses, especially with the, the climber. I mean, even after that, when I was using a climber on a regular basis, the climber kind of was your your safety harness, right? You had a bar around you. You just kind of, like, I think we thought that was safe. Um, so it was pretty crazy going all the way up. Um, but we were probably 20, 25 feet up in the air. And the climbers, I felt safe. I, I never, like, had a problem with height. When we transitioned over to um, putting up some tree stands, we did put up a few. That I always had a hard time with in early days, like going up there and, and, and that's when I felt like I was almost naked, like I was going to fall off. And, um, I hated that, but really that wasn't a bad, a bad, uh, you know, experience for me. I, I just got to it and it was fine. It was funny though. Like, so my roommate at the same time started hunting with us and he went up and we, we brought him out and it was during the daytime and we said, Hey, just go as high as you can go. And then we came back and, and found him and he was, he was slanted down like this. Cause he had gone like 30 feet up in the tree <laughs> and it got really thin, you know? And like, he's barely hanging on. I mean, if a deer would all walked in, there's no way he could have done anything. And we're like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, we told me to go as high as I could go. So that was, that's actually where my name came from. Um, we all had nicknames back then. I don't, I don't know why, but we did. And so he went up as high as we could go. We made a ton of mistakes in the early days. And this guy had been hunting. Our, our friend who was teaching us had been hunting his whole life. His dad hunted. I mean, he was just a true Michigan hunter. I mean, he just went through the whole family. And uh, and so even on that same hunt where we found that guy kind of angling down at 30 feet, that hunt, I actually had a shot on a doe, my first shot ever. And I got so excited. I pulled the bow back and the arrow came off the rest and was sitting on a shelf. And I didn't know any better that it wouldn't fly. And so I, I let it go. And I swear I saw it hit the deer. I saw the deer run. I, you know, I'm calling my buddy RJ going, hey, man, I got my first deer. Like, get over here. He comes over. He can't find hair. He can't find blood. He's telling me, no, I'm. you, you didn't hit this deer. I'm just, Look, that deer's dead. She's probably just down, you know, down that way. And he's like, nope, we're not leaving until we find blood. And he's looking all over for about a half hour. And then he looks up in the tree my arrows 20 feet up in the tree right across. <laughs> and that's when he goes, Oh, you're the great white hunter. He's like, yeah, look, look. And then just because I've hunted saddle for so long, I just threw saddle in there. So that's how I got the nickname. But yeah, so it was full of, you know, being 20, 23 years old, never hunted before ton of mistakes for a long time, but it was fun because we had a, a tight group of, of guys who were kind of learning as, as we were going and we were like super all in all committed, you know, 
Um, but I kind of like within a few years started like veering off from them just naturally. Um, I didn't like sitting in the same tree, you know, tree stand. I, I liked the adventure of something new and looking at new ground and and just trying different things. And they were just very settled into like, you know, this is our spot. This is how we do it. And uh, this is where we go. This is where we sit. And I was kind of always bumping heads with them. Cause I'm like, you know, I'd go set up and they would hit me on the walkie talkie and go, where are you at? And I tell them that, well, you're cutting off my deer. And that whole concept of my deer just drove me nuts. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta branch off and just go off on my own. Yeah. That's kind of the way that I ended up just going off on my own from like my family hunting camp and all that stuff, because they would tell me where I could or couldn't, or what was stupid to hunt there. And I'm like, I've hunted, you know, 30 sits this season before November 14th. So like, don't tell me about like what, you know, where I need to be. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in, uh, from the, from that time frame, like, so what, like 16 years of mm-hmm. saddle hunting, like talk about the evolution, like what you've seen, you know, from, yeah. from before to tethered and then now, yeah. right? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So, and don't forget, I left for a couple of years, but you had to be so, like the bastard right like what is this yeah. guy doing in the diaper like oh, a, a yeah. real like even now there's like a some sort of like stigma but back then i can't imagine you had to have been looked at like you were you know yeah yeah but you know i didn't have a like i didn't know a lot of hunters you know because i started late and so i had my small group and we all bought saddles they just couldn't they didn't like them they tried them you know two or three times and they were done with them and they were using their stands so i mean they didn't really give me a hard time about it and I never ran into anybody else. So, um, there wasn't really a stigma for me with it. Um, you know, and then the whole, like, you know, John Eberhardt back then started to kind of gain a little bit of ground. And, um, so it was exciting, you know, um, for me. And then when I left, so the difference was when I left the game, there was nobody like there was just trophy line and the trophy line stops. So you're using old saddles. Right. Um, and then when I came back in, it was interesting because you had like saddlehunter.com, you had all of these different, like, um, you know, chat rooms that you could go to and talk to people. And then I was watching tethered, I was watching tethered kind of like grow, like come out and start to like produce some really cool stuff. Um, so it was exciting to watch that. Um, and then I started trying a bunch of different saddles. Uh, and that was fun. That was fun to be able to like go into different stuff and, and look, my old, my old trophy line saddle, which I still have, I love it. And I actually pulled it all last year. I was like, you know, I'm going to go back and just reminisce and do a hunt with it, man. It pinched the crap out of my hips, man. It was <laughs> now that I'm older. It was a lot worse, but, um, uh, I love that saddle and I still have it. I may hunt out of it every once in a while, but, um, you know, I've, I've done the, I've done a tethered saddle. I've done uh cruiser. And then right now, and I don't think I'll ever leave. I'm on the uh, latitude method, uh, too. To me, that is like a, the superior saddle. It's just is so awesome. But they're all great. I mean, there's so many good saddles out there. I've sat in so many new ones. Um, and I think there's a different saddle for a different person. But for me, that one is is phenomenal. To think that I would have never thought it could have been that comfortable. You know, I kind of got used to being uncomfortable for the sake of like mobility and 
that was the reason why I went to is I got sick of like lugging around the heavy stand, you know, cause I was always in a different spot. I was always walking, walking a mile was normal. Like I was, that's something I'm really grateful for is the guy who taught me uh, how to hunt. Um, that he was used to that. He was used to going out deep. He was used to walking a long ways way back before that was cool, way before people were talking about it. So that was normal to me. And then carrying like, you know, a 30 pound, you know, stand on your back was normal for me and I hated it. So that's why I went to saddle. Now you have I actually bought one this year. You have these tree stands that are, you know, five, six pounds. Um, as much as I love the saddle, there's, it's not right for every situation. Um, so having another option is good. So I, I, I picked up a lone wolf 0.5 this year and, um, and I, I used it down in Nebraska in a tree that a saddle just, I mean, you could get in it, but it would be miserable. And it was very comfortable to be able to use the, the 0.5 there. But anyways, the, um, just watching the evolution of it all and watching the, the technology come out about it. It's been a lot of fun from someone who just looked at it, you know, had it one saddle back in the day. You either had the neoprene or you had the like the lightweight one. I had the lightweight one. Uh, and that was it. That was that was your options. That's all you had. Um, so it's been it's been awesome coming back. It almost feels like my wife was telling me, she's like, you're kind of like um, Captain America who was frozen and then kind of came out of the ice <laughs> and like get to do all this new technology. It's like, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. So when you when you tried out the um the tree stand again. Did yeah. it, I mean, how weird was that? Cause like, I know so when I weird. sat, I mean, I grew up climbers. Like that's, I mean, started from the old bakers, which you probably, I mean, never even seen one. I mean, maybe it yeah. did, but, but yeah. then, you know, and then loggy Bayou and then, you know, APIs, all that. Yeah. And then Adam finally gets me in a saddle and the very next sit I had in a tree stand, I was like, it it felt like I was going to fall out the whole time. Like, cause I was, yeah. I was being static, like being tethered in the whole time. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting on a tree stand and I'm like, how did I do this when I was a kid? Like sitting in a loggy bio with nothing around you on yeah. a big old foam seat and no, no harness anything. And then now yeah. I'm, 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 st- I'm harnessed in and I was like, holy, I feel like I'm going to fall out every time. But did, I mean, that happened to you oh. when you were down in Nebraska? Totally. Yeah, it was horrible. So I'm <laughs> so I was down there with another guy and he's trying to watch me set up this point five and he's just shaking his head like, man, what is going on with this guy? I thought I, I met him just recently. And uh, so we haven't hunted before together. And then he's watching me try to set up this point five and he's looking at me like, does this guy even know what he's doing? Does he even know how to hunt? Um, and then I get in it and I did, I felt like, just like I said, when, uh, when I first started getting into tree stands, I felt like I was going to fall. I felt naked. I felt the same way, but then I, uh, I actually put on my method too and use that as my harness and I felt a lot better. <laughs> I was like, I'm good now. So right. yeah, I don't know. It's going to be tough for me, but like in that, that situation, the tree just was angled and like branched out in such a way. It was an old Oak yeah. that a saddle just, and it was the only tree in that area. Um, I actually took a video. It's on my Instagram. Um, it was the only tree in uh, I could have gotten it with the saddle, but it wouldn't have given me the flexibility as, as the, as the stand did. So um, in that situation, it was really good, but I did, I did feel like I'm probably not going to use it as much as I thought I would. 
Um, I'm probably going to stick with the saddle for probably 90% of my, my sits. Um, just be times where I can use that, especially all day sits. I'm, I'm getting older and as comfortable as the, the method is, it's still, you know, I kind of like sitting down a little bit, you know, I'm 46 years old this October. So, um, my body isn't as, um, limber as it used to be. So I I'm hoping the sat, the, the stand will help me there, but yeah. So beyond just the saddles and stuff like that, like mm-hmm. I want to know, cause it's, it's a problem. I feel like, because we have access, I mean, and we're guilty of it too, because you know, we're like, Oh, check this out. Check this out. Check this out. Like how much stuff like now that's out there, like, are you like, Oh my God, I don't know how I lived without this. And then the other side of that is like, Oh my God, why do these guys bring so much extra crap? Like, yeah. Yeah. So I would say this year I've experimented with more stuff than, than years past. And it's funny because this Nebraska trip, I was trying out like different sticks um, and they're great sticks. But I have my old sticks. I, I just customized my old sticks from a long time ago. My old lone wolf sticks. I bought new new lone wolf sticks, and I like my old ones better. I just like my old stuff actually better. It, it's simpler, and maybe it's just because I'm just so used to it. But um, that's one thing I kind of with the saddle hunting community. I was a little sad about when I came back is it got really gear focused and guys were so caught up in the gear. And the only reason I went to saddle hunting was because it was lighter. I mean, really that is it. It was lighter. I didn't have to carry a 30 pound tree stand all the way in the back. And so it's great. I love it. It, 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 I do like that the tree hides me and the way that I hunt out of it is different than what I see. Like if you look at like the saddle hunter, like .com logo, it's like this guy hanging way off the side. You know, I don't hunt that way. Um, maybe I'm just kind of too old school and too John Eberhart, where it's like I like the tree in front of me and I like peeking along the side. And I know there's a ton of criticism about that comment. Like people say you can't do that, but you can. I've shot almost all my bucks that way. But um, I, I, I like it if you, if you just want to have fun with it. Like I, I bought a ton of crap, like that, the, the, uh, mobile hunter expo, I bought stuff that I knew I shouldn't bring in my bag, but I just wanted to have fun. You know, it was like, Hey, let's have fun with gear. Let's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but if people get so obsessed about it, it looks like in some of the forums that I look at. And, um, I think, I think too much attention is on that and it should be much more on the deer, you know, uh, and, and your setup and, and where you're at than what gear you have. Um, I, like I said, over the last couple of years, I think I've bought more stuff than, than I ever have in the past. Honestly, none of it makes me feel like I'm actually able to kill more deer because of it, you know? Um, but if you're okay with just having the mindset of, Hey, I'm having fun. I'm all for it. Have fun with it. Just don't get obsessed about it. Thinking that it's making you the hunter that you want to be. Like you you gotta have it to be able to do it. You don't. Yeah. And I've, I, I went out and bought, you know, I've got a, I mean, for me, it's a great bow. I got a V3, you know, 27 inch and, you know, I bought all this stuff, but it, it, it doesn't change anything really. Like I realized that like all my old stuff is the stuff that I prefer, <laughs> but it's have fun with it though. I don't want to, I mean, I, I bought a ton of crap. Go ahead have fun with it. Well, I think that that's, that would be like the, 
the difference between like John and I, it's like, I buy all this stuff just because a, I can and B mm-hmm. like, I want to see how it works. Like do, do I think that it's like going to help me be a better hunter? Like, no, like I know, I think, I think deep down, you know, there's all that stuff where it's like, like doing shit for the gram, like, you know, you get that little dopamine hit, somebody like mm-hmm. it or like whatever, or, you know, you bought this. And so that was good. You're like, man, I can't get out and hunt, but like, Oh, I could buy this and it'll be like super cool. And then you get it. And then it just goes in a pile. Like if you could see like this room right now, like my daughter was helping me like get the camera on and get the lights up and all that stuff today. And, sh- and she's like, dad, do you think we should get you like an organizer or something for down here? And I'm like, yeah, I'm working on it. But, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, I did that podcast with Cody Rich and that's something that's always stuck with me. Like he said, like the people that obsess about gear, like they're, they're trying to like, that's what they can control. So Mm -hmm. if they can't get out there and scout, if they can't do this, they want to make sure that they have all their, all this gear, all this stuff, because that's the thing. They can't control the animal. They can't control the wind. They're, you know, basically essentially afraid that they're going to go out there and make a mistake, but damn it, they've got the best, you know, who's Mm -hmm. it or what's it, you know? Looking good doing it. Yeah. Wow. God, the the amount of times. So at the beginning of that, you were saying that between you and I, like. Yeah. Well, because John used to get so mad at me because I'm like, oh, I got this new stuff. I got this new stuff. Like, check this out. Check this out. And he's like, what do you need all that stuff for? Like, he's like, I got this. He's, he's went that way with like bows a little bit but like when we first started hunting like he had this q2xl or whatever this is the only the, bow that fit the, me the oldest years. matthews known to man i still have my <laughs> i still have my feather max like that thing came out like i don't even know 90 but but, but it's i mean like in like today's day and age like when the first hunt that john and i went on together he's got like a boonie hat with the acorn Set wafers. Set wafers, like, all over his, like, old-ass scentlock suit. Like, it's not scentlock by any stretch of the imagination. It's covered in acorn wafers, you know. (laughs) It was just the camouflage. Like, I did. I mean, I didn't give a shit about the... I know... I'm like... I always said, like, scentlock... If if you could fart in your scentlock and you couldn't ever smell it, then it works. But I know if I rip ass in it, I can smell it. Like, the deer are going to smell me. But, but so yeah. I would always buy this stuff and I'd always have new stuff. And John's like, what are you doing? And I wasn't not delusional that it was like going to help me hunt. It was just like, mm. I wanted to like what you're saying. Like, I just wanted to have fun with it, but I wanted to yeah. be able to talk intelligently about it. That was all. Mm-hmm. That's what, where'd you think I was going with that? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Tom, like, I thought you were going to say that I'm like, well, I kind of, I do that with Bozo just because, you know, now that we have kind of the means to do it, like I like to shoot the new bows every, mm-hmm. but I still have, like I said, I still have that Q2XL. My, one of my favorite bows, which is the, one of the worst clunkiest bows that white, the RX one, I just rebuilt that and gave it to my son, but that's still like one of my favorite hunting bows, like mm-hmm. the grip on it. I mean, but it's like an old friend. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, kind of like what you're saying. Like it's, you know it, like you know that gear, just mm-hmm. like your old sticks. Yeah, and you switch to something new, and then it's like it's going to take a while to you get kind of like well, mm-hmm. stick with it, or just go back to your old stuff that you know and are so used to. Yeah. So, so one of the, the arguments I feel like I get in with people 
because like they listen to us because we've used all the saddles and you know we say oh this stuff is so great and blah 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 and then they're like this isn't any lighter than my old setup and mm. and now I think like to your point when you were saying like okay now you got a five pound stand and then mm-hmm. you know you can only make a stick so light right mm-hmm. you can't use it and so my my like you know retort to that is now we're we're shedding a whole bunch of bulk and you're getting yeah. some uh you know a little bit more flexibility where it doesn't have to be that telephone pole tree anymore um mm-hmm. but like the weight if you add in all the who's it's and what's it's and all the bullshit like you're back up there to 20 pounds you know 25 pounds whatever yeah yeah and i i think people obsess too much about weight too as much as i said i did it to go lighter i mean back then tree stands were 30 pounds you know i had a like old man tree stand like that's what i was climbing in and i think i don't know how much it actually weighed probably around the 20 pound mark alone on itself and that's not including your pack um that thing was just you know it was clunky it made a ton of noise so that's why i went to the saddle i that's the other part that kind of drives me nuts is this whole shaving of ounces like, oh, if I, if I get this stick, I'll, I'll, you know, it shaves this many ounces and it's like, yeah, but does it actually do what you want it to do? You know, like, is it, does it secure you to the tree and like, is it worth as much money as you spent for it? Um, so the whole ounces, yeah, the ounces game drives me nuts. But again, if it's, if you're having fun doing it, I don't want to crush it too much um, because I have fun tinkering around too. And there are some things that have like, improve my game like um a three-step aider removable aider that climbs up with me i mean that actually did shave pounds off like i went down to pretty much two sticks and uh, a platform and i can get 18 feet easy Uh, if i really want to stretch it i can get to 20 and um that is a tool that i love Uh, i bring it with me everywhere i go um so there's some really good there is some good stuff out there but just have fun with it, but don't think that it's going to like getting that thing. is not going to kill your deer for you. Um, but yeah, that bounces game drives me a little, a little crazy. And, and I don't know and what you were saying too, about sticking with the, like stick with the new or like grab or like, just go back to your old. I I'm man, I, I am stuck right in the middle of that right now. Cause I've got, I mean, these new, I got these 14 inch minis from lone wolf and I, I love, like, I love the way they look. And I love the way, like, they give enough room for my feet to set up off of the tree. Um, but, man, my old ones are so much easier for me. I don't know why, because it's the same concept. You know, they're almost the same the same stick, essentially. But um, so I want to press myself to keep moving and try to learn new gear. Um, but I quickly in Nebraska went back to my old stuff. After the first set, I was like, I'm going, I'm going back to the old this stuff. This guy that thinks I'm an idiot. I got to redeem myself. <laughs> There's a little bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was like when, when we first went to the, the stand and sticks, you know, I sold my lone wolf climber because I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I know that mm-hmm. it's going to take like three sits and I'm going to be like, screw this. Like I'm, you know, and oh my God, the, the day that I killed the, I killed the 10 point in public. I, there's no way, like I wanted to just throw all my stuff. Like I was so sweaty. It was already daylight. I was like, this is, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. Like, this is so stupid. Like this is miserable. And then, you know, 25 minutes later, I'm like, 
tagged out. I'm sitting at the bottom of the stand eating a freaking fudge round. Like yeah. I was like, I was going to climb back up there, but I'm like, I don't even have tag. You know, yeah. like what am I going to sit yeah. up there for? So, <laughs> but so what I, what I wanted to talk to you about was some of that like out of state stuff. Right. And yeah. so you had said, you know, I don't really think I'm the guy, you know, uh, you know, I can tell you how to kill 120s, but I'm not a big mm. buck hunter. And I think, mm. I think for the most part, like, I think we do a good job of like catering to everyone um, so that everyone can get something out of the podcast. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I think there's a very few people who are like listening to podcasts intently that are saying, man, if it ain't Pope and Young, I'm, I'm letting it walk. Right. So there's a lot of guys out there that have never killed a hundred inch buck that have never killed a buck with their bow that may be going on their first out of state hunt. And I mean, even myself, like on my out of state hunts, the success rate is terrible. You know, Hmm. some of that is, you know, quote unquote, wasn't big enough. And other times just like, I'm not a good hunter. Like I'm not that great. So like, what are the things for you and, you got to understand like for the listener, if you're following along with Matt or as you start to follow along with him on Instagram, you're going to see that the guy's putting on like maybe not the same miles, but like almost Jake Bush number miles. I mean, the dude's out there putting in the work. So again, buy all your who's it's and what's it's, but it's time in the field. It's out there mm-hmm. finding the spots, figuring it out on the out of state stuff. You know, maybe that's a little different because you're not, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if you went to Nebraska and then I'm like, well, make a couple trips out there, whatever. But like on an out-of-state hunt, like what are the things that you, what are the tools that you use to up your success rate on, you know, a hundred plus inch deer, we'll say. Yeah. So, um going out of state is the tool (laughs) that that has been what really has changed uh the game for me um i don't know so uh, 2018 i got back into hunting so i had been out for seven or eight years um i called my wife and i said you know what i think i think we're in a spot where i i think next year which i'm at 2019 i'll be able to go hunting again the family seems like it's you know it's good and um things are going well. And she says, you know, I think you can go now. This is October, like mid October. So I call my old friends up and said, Hey, who's got gear for me? Cause I didn't, I had my saddle and, and I, don't, I didn't even have a bow at the time. And so I grabbed all my stuff and started Went I went to uh, the maps online and I picked Indiana cause it was close and the tag was cheaper and um, went to Indiana and tagged out within 15 minutes of being up on the stand. Um, probably shot, I don't know what it was cause I don't measure all my bucks. Um, it was like a 115, 128 point. Um, and, um, I was home in less than 24 hours. So what I've done, especially over the last five years is I've been able to kill, you know, 120 inch bucks within a week's time. A lot of times it happens within, uh, four days uh, time period. Um, and it's using just some of the basic principles of pinch points. Um, you know, I'm going to the rut. Um, you know, I'm, I'm busy. I'm, I'm, I'm a business owner. 
Um, I've got three kids um, that are, are into sports and, and require, you know, a lot of my time. And, um, part of the reason why I quit hunting was I was, like I said, I was all in right. All or nothing. So I was putting in all this time when they were younger. And my wife was like, this isn't working out for me. You know, I need you at home more. Uh, and I knew I couldn't control myself. I knew I was all in or, or, or not. So I'd walked away. Um, so when going back, um, you know, just, I think going out of state, a lot of guys are afraid of that, um, because they don't know where to start. Um, but you know, Onyx makes it a lot easier. Most out of state places have really good, um, info like, you know, Illinois last year, I went to Illinois for the first time, um, harvested, I don't know, it was about 125 inch, uh, nine point, which is another story. Cause I thought I was shooting 140 inch 10 point. Um, but, uh, I went on there and you can find these WMAs. And you can see how many people checked in at some of these places. You can see how many bucks were harvested, how many does were harvested. Um, you can even see the small game stuff. So you know what you're going to be dealing with. And I was able to eliminate a bunch of, you know, different places that were, you know, looked like they were heavily hunted and, um, and pick, you know, some smaller ones that, that looked like they had good numbers comparative to harvest and hunter rates, but also the hunter rates were lower. So I knew I wouldn't be, you know, battling a bunch of people. Um, but when going out of state, really, really, I just focused on the rut um, because that's my biggest chances at a place that I'm not able to scout on a regular basis. Use the the basic principles that you'll hear in every podcast, which is, you know, getting into pinch points, getting downside, you know, downwind of, of bill betting. And really just keep it simple. Don't get too crazy. Don't, don't try to overanalyze a, a lot of it. Um, and then in the last couple of years, I've gotten more aggressive. So I've, I've, I've come in and, and I keep moving through the property. And sometimes I, sometimes I've burned the whole property. I have to move to another one until I run into to action. And, um, once I run into bucks and does, um, then I'm able to set up and usually within, you know, a few days of that time, I'm able to harvest. And the other part is like managing expectations. I'm not going down there thinking that I need to shoot 140 inch or 150 inch deer. I want something that gets my heart pumping, gets me excited, you know, coming from Michigan um, in the early days, like I would hunt, I remember I'd hunt all season. And if I saw, you know, two, three bucks, I mean, it was a great season for me, you know, and a lot of them weren't what I wanted. Um, and so here, what I've learned is a lot of these other states, the hunter numbers are down and I'm able to run into a lot more deer and coming with like, I think Michigan expectations, it, it's, it's allowed me to have fun. You know, if I go in there thinking I need to shoot a Pope and young or shoot 140 inch or 150 inch buck, then I'm probably going to be pretty stressed out, you know, cause I've got one week to do it. But if I'm good with shooting something that gets my heart rate going, I'm excited about it. Um, then I'm able to get it done and, and have fun with it. And I think that's the main thing is going there with like a good expectation. Um, you know, I'm kind of rambling, but there's a lot of good, all of these, these different States have really good info for you to be able to find a good spot to go. So I guess one of the things that, um, always comes up and like, you didn't say it per se, mm -hmm. but it, I feel like it's implied, right? 
like you said you want to get eyes on like the mm-hmm. action right yeah and so no. the, the the key phrase is always hot sign i'm looking for hot sign <laughs> you know uh, what does hot sign look like so when you're doing that when you're saying okay so you have a very truncated timetable you're talking about a week a few days right how are you are you um you know you know, doing everything that they say on the podcast. Are you driving around looking at parking areas? Are you going in at gray light and waiting till you see the deer? Like, how are you like stage hunting these spots to find that action? Yeah. So I start with, um, you know, online mapping, um, is where I start probably every single trip with the exception of Nebraska, that's a different thing. Like I just need to know where the stuff is in Nebraska. Cause it's just a different, you know, it, it's more like Kansas. It's just wide open and, and driving by and just, and glassing gives you a lot, but in most places in the Midwest, like Indiana, Wisconsin, Illinois, um, I'm looking online for edge. So where a bedding area, uh, CRP, runs up against a swamp and, and the other corner is, you know, hardwoods. Um, I'm looking for that type of stuff. Um, I, I used to primarily focus on stuff way back off the parking lot. Now that doesn't matter to me. Um, anywhere the edges is, is coming together is important for me. And then I just go in and walk. Um, I think the key is not to be afraid to bump anything. Um, don't be afraid about your scent, leaving ground scent. Um, which sounds crazy, I know, um, but really just going in and trying to find uh, what I'm looking for is like, especially during the rut, pre-rut, like late October, early November, uh, a scrape that's been, you know, it's wet, it's been, it's been pawed up, um, you know, not so much rubs, rubs are helpful, but I, I, it's hard to tell when that was laid down, you know, I mean, at least I know there's a buck in the area but the scrapes are mainly what I'm focusing on. Pinch points um, is what I'm focusing on things that bring deer, you know, right into a certain area. Um, Like I said, keep it simple. I I cannot stress that enough. The reason why I can't stress that enough is because I overcomplicate things. I want to analyze everything. And when I do that, I get frozen and I'm, and I end up not seeing deer when I'm, when I'm overanalyzing, when I'm trying to, really, I don't know, I guess overthink it. And, and it it makes me cautious. It makes me kind of like go in and and not really get aggressive. And I know aggressive is like the new thing to talk about, but um, not being afraid to, to walk around, especially during the rut. And so Indiana, two years ago, three years ago, I went down there and primarily that's what I did. I just focused on edge I didn't care what was in the parking lot. Um, I would just go in and and look for something that looked really fresh and then set up on it. Um, And within three days, um, I had a 120 inch point uh, buck come in off of the the bedding into a scrape that I found that was wet, tore up and three edges came together. Just keep it simple. Um, Actually end up missing that buck, (laughs) but I had a shot within you know, three days of being down there. So it was good. So when you find something like that, are you hunting, are you hunting that multiple days? Are you saying like, this is where I'm going to hang my hat? Cause I know it's going to happen or mm. how is that? Yeah. I'm too impatient for that. I think you, I think, I mean, I've listened to a lot of, um, 
people like um, uh, Ryan Moose. I can't think of his last name right now. Glitzky. Yeah, Glitzky. Like he'll sit in an area for you know a long time at a, at a pinch point. Um, but he's doing a ton of boots on the ground scouting. He's got cameras. He knows what's what's going on. And he's got years worth of data. You know, I'm going into places I've never been, and so no, I'm keep I keep moving. If if I'm not into the action, if nothing's coming through, then then I need to move on and find it. I don't have enough time to sit and wait. Um, that was a game changer for me when I started making the movements and just going for it. And for me, it can be a doe. A, a doe will keep me in a spot if she comes walking through that area. Um, definitely a buck will keep me there. Um, but um, I need to have action every like the whole time. Um, if I don't, then I'm I'm moving on. Um, like so, if I go and sit and and I don't see a deer that night, I'm I'm moving on to another spot. Um, I want to be where the action is actually happening. Some of these places that I hunt, um, they're not huge. They're about a thousand acres. I I don't hunt huge, you know, ten thousand acre pieces when I'm on the road. Um, the thousand acre piece is really ideal for me, um, and I will just keep moving through that until I find where the bucks are. Um, and if I bump them, then I bump them. It's okay because they're there during the rut for a reason. There's, there's a doe that's hot. Um, and, and they're going to, you know, if I bump that one, another one's coming through. Um, and that has been, I've tested that that's been consistent. Like I, I, once I figured that out, um, it got a lot easier. So when you're on those hunts, what's your, like, what's been your best, um, kill rate like morning or evening or day all day or is it does it just random yeah it's i would say it's pretty random um i i hunt dark to dark so i will i'll when i go into a spot i'm there from morning till till night um i will make micro adjustments in a spot so if i'm sitting and i see like hey 60 yards to the north that's where it looks like i saw you know I saw a doe walk through there, right? So the next day I'm come, I, I'll move my set and get closer in. But um, no, I can't say I have a pattern. I mean, I've killed them in the morning. Um, 2018, when I first came back, that was a morning hunt. And I, I killed that buck within, you know, 15 minutes of setting up. Um, I've killed them midday and, and night. Um, last year in Illinois, it was last light, last couple minutes. Um, I, yeah, I don't think there's like a a pattern for me because I'm in the rut. It's, I want to say, it's yeah, it's the rut. Kind of loony during that time. Yeah, yeah. Those are yep. the all day sits. That's when you want to be in the woods all day. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so are I you, will sit the whole day. So, are you adjusting midday? Like, it's so like, say, let's say you yeah. go in and you say, okay, like, what is the what's the breaking point for Matt? Right? Where are you like <laughs> this ain't it ain't happening is it is it seeing nothing is it seeing deer over there so you're like i gotta get over there like well how does your mindset go because i think for me personally like john's brother that's his jam like if he gets up in a tree and he's like yeah i'm not feeling it he'll just move over there like and i i I mean i've told it before on the podcast but like the one year in ohio like i watched five bucks progressively get bigger walk through the same 60 60 yards away and I'm like, man, I hope yeah. they come over here. Like, <laughs> what an yeah. idiot, you know? And like now thinking back on that and since I've, you know, adopted this, like, it doesn't matter. Like when I'm out of state, I'm moving, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I need to be over there. Like, okay, that's what we're doing, you know? 
Yeah, I don't know. It keeps evolving for me. It seems like it's a shorter amount of time every year. Last year, I moved three times uh, before I killed my buck. Um, So on that hunt, I got there in the morning, gray light, set up. I had three does come through, but I just wasn't feeling the spot. Like the wind was kind of shifty. I I didn't see how it could make it work, even if the bucks came in. The does were just a little bit out of ways. And I didn't see anything in that area that I wanted to move to. Um, So I just, pressed in further. And I, I went to another Ridge set up on that around noontime, had a small buck run through. And again, for me, it was just, just my gut feeling. And that's the, man, that frustrates me in podcasts more than anything when someone says, Oh, it was my gut, you know? Cause it's like, well, that gives you no like info on how to actually make it happen. And the only thing I can say is like, if you keep doing this, you keep going out uh, and, and you do this enough that develops. That's the only thing I can say about it. Uh, Cause last year I, I was in that spot. I had a small six point come through and, and again, just wasn't feeling the spot. So I got down and part of it too was, yeah, man, I'm all over on this one. This, this spot in Illinois, I did put boots on the ground. All my other spots up until last year, I showed up day of and went in and I probably was less aggressive because I just kind of wanted to learn the spot as I moved in this place in Illinois, uh, because the tag was, you know, it's like 500 bucks. I wanted to put in a little bit of effort to, to kind of, you know, stack the odds in my favor. So I went to this spot and uh, found phenomenal sign, the best sign I've ever found ever. And um, I started putting trail cams up. So I ended up plastering that place i had 15 cell cams up so for out of state that's i feel like that's a lot of that's a lot anywhere put up (laughs) um yeah here here in michigan i'm running like 30 so um yeah i know it's it's, like i said all in man so uh, down there i had 15 up and i was getting um i put a few of them up on instagram um some just phenomenal bucks so i knew there were bigger bucks on that property which gave me the confidence to push in further. So that day I moved three times. Uh, the third time I set up, I was, I was looking for a tree and I had 140 inch 10 point, probably 50 yards from me, but I had set my bow on the ground. And uh, so by the time I got my bow on the ground, I had started to maneuver off and I just didn't have a shot on it. I quickly climbed up into a tree and watched what the first time I ever experienced a, a buck parade the juries talk about that. And, uh, I had probably seven or eight, uh, bucks, five of them being shooters walk by. So I knew immediately there was a hot dough in the area. Um, I, I glassed the, the tree that I needed to be in for the next day, marked that tree, moved my gear over there at night, set it up and then left and came back in the next day and killed my buck. Um, so that day I moved three times. Um, to get in on that buck. And again, that was just that gut feeling. I knew though, cause I was there, I knew there were bigger bucks than what I was seeing. Um, so what about like, uh, a- yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's fine. I, I think a lot of times we get like married to a spot and some guys will say, okay, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to give it a morning sit and an evening sit. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll hunt the evening there. If I don't see anything, you know, I'll, I'll hunt the morning. And if I don't see anything yep. by X time, then I'm going to move on or, or that's do great. I've done that a million times. Yep. That's good. That's a good technique. But so when you're, when you're choosing these spots, like 
I think that there's a real balance. And I think from like a Michigan mindset from, you know, maybe someone who's not done it enough, there is a very like black and white side of, I want to be in a spot where I can see stuff or I want to be in a situation to kill a deer, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so I think maybe like picking the kill tree, like is -hmm. where a lot of people like they want to, they want to make sure they want to see, you know, when we talked to Brandon Egan, he was saying, you know, you can't, you can't try to like split the difference. You can't try to shoot both trails. Like you just kind of got to pick one. You can't be greedy. Right. So when it comes down to like picking a tree and that one, maybe it kind of, jumped out at you because you know you saw mm-hmm. eight bucks and maybe five of them, them went right all by that tree like if i would have been sitting yep. in that tree i could have killed them but it like say when you kill in 15 minutes the first year you're back and then you know kind of build off mm-hmm. of that like what is it that you're looking for in the in that spot so you can get into a pinch you can get into a fence line you can get into you know any of these corners where everything comes together but too far out on the edge and now you're just hanging out. You might as well be hunting a field edge and too far inside and you can't see what's going on and you feel like you're out of the action. So how are you choosing that, that kill tree? Yeah. Up until last year, I think a lot of the the trees that I've, I've set up on are pinch points on downwind side of bedding. Um, and again, like I just to stress it, like I've got a simple mindset. You know, I'm not going in and shooting these, you know, huge bucks. That's a whole different game. Um, but if, if you're looking at just getting that first, you know, 110, 120 inch, 125 inch buck, um, these principles are, are pretty solid. You know, downwind of bedding in a pinch point has been kind of my bread and butter. Um, in fact, as I'm kind of just scrolling through the bucks over the last five years, all of them except for the one last year had been killed that way. Um, I, I typically like my wind blowing into a spot where they can't get me um, or, or it's less likely that they're going to get me uh, in Nebraska. That was a, a, I was on a two acre chunk of, of CRP with a probably about a 60 yard wide um, hardwood, you know, uh, pinch. And behind me was a ridge that dropped down 60 feet. And it was like a sharp drop down. My wind was blowing off of there. There's no way they could have got my wind. Downwind of the CRP bedding, um, you know, killed that buck. Indiana, the, the one in 15 minutes when I set up, was in a pinch. I walked up the steepest part of the ridge where no buck is going to walk and had my wind blowing over top of a, of a huge field behind me. Um, I was downwind of, of bedding in a pinch and, and, and luck, luck plays into this like crazy. Um, you know, I, I set up on that spot and when the, when daylight came in, I was happened to be right on top of a scrape, you know, and he came in and worked that scrape, uh, you know, 10 yards from me. And so gave me a broad broadside shot. Um, I'm trying to think the the second buck in Indiana, that one was where three edges came together. One was a, a huge overgrown um it looked like it was probably a, a, like something that had gotten logged and just had tall grass um does were bedding in there 
and there was a swamp on one side and hardwood came together and there was a crick behind me that when I got there, there was an active scrape and the crick didn't have a crossing behind me. Now, were there deer going through there? Sure. But right behind me, there wasn't something. So I set up there with my wind blowing that way. Just keep it really, I just, for that stuff, it's just pretty basic. Um, again, where I think where I've got messed up and, and um, some of my buddies can attest to it because I'm calling them up, I'm overthinking things and I'm trying to overanalyze. But whenever I go back to that basic idea of pinch point, downwind abetting, uh, where my wind is, is pretty safe, I tend to come across, you know, a buck that gets me excited that I want to shoot. Um, so it, it's, it's a pretty simple recipe. Last year was just different because um, nothing really set up like that on that piece of property. It was mainly ridges. So ridges are different. Um, you know, the bedding is different there. Um, wind flows through there differently. Um, and so me, my, my strategy was just to, to move through until I, I was in the action. And, and that worked. That ended up working for me. So one of the things, and you, you talked about it by being able to pick these different areas where you can, you know, see the check-in, you can see mm -hmm. um, sort of that stuff. When you're going down there, I mean, everybody's going down in the rut. So mm -hmm. how are you dealing with, you know, blowing through these properties and running in, uh, running into other hunters or whatever? Like, how does, how do you pick and choose because I think one of the things that we've seen with, you know, Spartan Forge, Onyx, Base Map, like whatever, mm -hmm. like all of these things that look good on a map look good to everybody else who's oh, yeah. listening to this. So how are you dealing with that? Yeah, so uh, Missouri was a, a good example of that. So uh, 2000, I went to Missouri and man, I was shocked. I was not ready for that. Um, I hunted... One thing is to stay mobile. Let me back up. So Missouri, when I got there, there were pieces that looked like opening day of gun season up here in Michigan. Um, I mean, there were cars lined up down the road. Now, this is bow season, um, rut time. The parking lots had tents in them and people were, were camping everywhere. Um, down there, what I learned were, were guys would come in and bow hunt for like the week before gun. And they would also hunt gun. And so they had these huge tents set up um, that knocked me back a little bit, but um, what I did was I just kept going. So I stayed mobile. And I, when I say mobile, I mean, in every aspect. So my truck is set up uh, to be able to sleep in the back of it. Back then when I was in Missouri, I actually had a trailer. So I was moving from, you know, campsite to campsite. Um, so I would go set up at a campsite, go into the, to the, you know, the public if the public was overran, I was able to just jump into my truck, hook up the trailer, go to the next spot. Um, I would spend days traveling, trying to find a good spot. Um, the other part too, was just realizing that deer are going to move because of the pressure. Once I stopped being afraid of the pressure, uh, it didn't really matter to me as much. So I would go into these spots. If there's somebody there, I would just keep moving, just keep finding another spot. The deer are going to move around those people. Those people are actually going to move the deer towards you if you use them um, as kind of like almost like pushers for you. You know, so as, as I'm going in and I find out there's already guys there, I'm thinking then what are the deer going to do when they when they come across that person? And then I'm going to set up over on, on that area. Um, and that was a good 
a good method for me. In fact, on that Missouri hunt, I went in, oh man, it was horrible. I got up early in the morning. I'm driving through, um, the rut was full on. I knew I was going to hit a deer and sure enough, a doe jumped up out of the, uh, a ditch and then a buck ran into the side of my truck. Uh, actually his antler tore a hole all the way down the side of my truck. Um, uh, I got out and, um, he was in the middle of the street. He was still alive and I was going to put him out of his misery. So I went back to my car to be able to do that. Came back, he pops up, jumps up and takes off into the field. Right. So now I'm running late. I get in my truck, I get there, I'm climbing into my tree and, um, my bow still on the ground. It's well past daylight now. And, um, 140 inch 10 point comes running 40 yards from me and my bow's laying on the ground. Um, he got moved by, by another hunter. Um, these other hunters came in and we were sitting on the ground and bumped him up and ran him past me. So I don't know if he would even came past me if I would have got there, you know, and, and those guys weren't there. Um, so part of it, you just got to realize it's, it, it could benefit you. Um, those bucks are moving during that time of year. So it's, it's not going to like ruin your hunting. Now, if, if the spot is blown up and there's way too many hunters, well, then you got to be prepared to leave your campsite and go find another campsite and go find another piece of public. And I think that is crucial. Like I have bounced in the state. I have driven uh, even Nebraska. I mean, I don't know how many hundreds of miles we put in this week, just moving from one spot to another um, uh, and being willing to leave our hotel or leave the campground and go to another place. That is so crucial when you're out of state is not getting married to a specific little corner of the state, like use the state, go all over. And when you're talking about the rut, like what are you saying as far as dates? Cause I mean, yeah. I feel like with, with John and I, like every, it felt like every time we went to Ohio, it was like, we were, we were leaving just as it was getting good or, mm -hmm. you know, and we went a little bit later and then we went a little bit later and then, you know, and it just always feels like, like we are missing it. And so here in Michigan, like, you know, our gun season, technically November 15th is the rut, but I feel like that October 31st, that, that week mm -hmm. or two leading up to it. I've always seen more action and I don't know, you know, because I think the interpretation of the rut is different depending on the class of animal that you're hunting, because yeah. you got these little bucks running around everywhere. You're like, Oh my God, the rut's on. And then you see like the two and three year olds, you know, like, Oh my God, the rut's on. And then you're hunting freaking, you know, Thanksgiving. And then you got these big deer that are locked down with, yeah. you know, and so you're like, well, this must be the end of the rut, <laughs> you know? So like yeah. the rut to, to interpret, like, so when you say, okay, well, I'm going to go for the rut. Like when have you, I guess, I guess if we were going to say, okay, Matt, what if you could hunt one day, mm. you could only hunt one day during the rut. What's, what's the day for you? Yeah. The sixth or seventh of November. Um, except yeah, it, it everything changes. Right. So except for this year, I'm, I'm planning on going to Illinois on like the 12th. Um, and that's just part of like some of the data that I've gotten from other guys who are down there. So the piece I was on last year, I, I so here's an example of like finding a good piece. Okay. So I went through and I looked at all the, 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 the public land down there and there was a piece. I don't, I gotta be careful. I don't want to say too much. 
there was a piece that showed low numbers of, of hunters and low numbers of, of deer harvested. And you could look at that and think, well, then it's not a good area. But if you look at it on a map and you look, you're in Illinois, you know, so that's just something on its own, right? You look at this piece and there's plenty of ag and there's plenty of, of hardwood. It, what it said to me was this was just a piece that wasn't being hunted, that that there wasn't a lot of people hitting public. There's a lot of locals here, but it's being missed by out-of-staters. And, and sure enough, that is exactly what I found out. So I went down there and I killed on, I think it was November 6th. Um, and November 5th, I saw that buck parade. Um, and talking, I ran into a guy down there who's also from Michigan, who's hunted that piece for um, the last 15 years. And he's like, it's not, this isn't even the good time. He's like, come back. Like the 12th is when it's, when it really starts going. And he started showing me buck after buck. Now he's killing bucks much bigger than, than I am. Uh, he's killing, you know, 150s, 160s uh, on a regular basis down there. Um, and, and he's doing it later in, in November. Um, so he'll do it from the 12th all the way into their gun season, which is around, um, I think it's uh, Thanksgiving for, for Illinois, um, right around that time period. So this year I'm actually shifting a little bit and I'm also shifting because I'm pouring myself into Michigan and, and trying to get it done here. Um, Cause I've been primarily an out of state hunter. Um, so I want to hunt kind of that early, that last October, early November here, and then transition into Illinois everywhere else. Um, I've always left, uh, well, it, Indiana a couple years ago, I, I went uh, the last week of October because I wanted to avoid some of the rush. Um, the reason why that I did that was because I was right on the border of Indiana and Michigan. And so it's, it's a cheap tag and it's easy for Michigan people to jump the border and just go down there and hunt. So I figured that area was going to be busy during the rut. So I wanted to go down the last week of October. And again, I'm, I'm hunting 120 inch bucks. And so it's they're going to move a little bit differently than those older, more mature, bigger bucks do. Um, so I, you know, I, I was confident I could do that early and, and still see the caliber of buck that I wanted to shoot. And I, I could, I mean, within four days, that's what we were on. Um, so usually November 4th though. Um, and I'll, I'll hunt about 10 days. So I'll go all the way into the 14th or somewhere around there. Um, and that's usually where the time period of when I'm, I'm hunting out of state. So, shifting gears a little bit now that you're going to throw yourself into Michigan, yeah. like what, what's changed? Like how, <laughs> how, how is your approach different here now that you have, you know, I feel like that's what happens with, you know, some, some locals and especially like private land guys where they're like, well, I got all the time in the world and I've got, these deer on camera or these mm -hmm. deer around or whatever, like how is your approach shifting and does it mess up your, your, your time frame because of quote unquote, what the rut is here in Michigan versus, you know, Illinois, Kansas, whatever. Yeah. So I guess in the, the short answer to that is I don't think much is going to change as far as my approach goes. I thought it would. So I've put in, just roughly over 200 miles of scouting this year. And I'm running um, about 30 cameras, half of those being cell cams, the other half SD. 
Um, I'm on a 6,000 acre piece that's mainly hardwoods with some ag kind of mixed in and about. Um, and I, I thought what I thought was going to happen was I was going to put in all of this scouting and I was going to get my spots, you know, kind of pinned down. I was going to probably develop a pattern on, on some deer. And, um, I think the scouting was good for me because I was able to learn the lay of the land. Um, you know, I, I, I know the topography of it now. I I've got a good idea of how the deer are going to use it. Um, but my methods are probably going to be the same. I'm going to carry my, my gear on my back. Um, when I first go in there and I'm going to do the same thing, I'm, I'm going to move in until I see, you know, hot sign for me, hot sign early season, um, is going to be feeding, you know, acorns. Um, I'm, I'm going to be looking for, you know, deer droppings, like a lot of them um, big tracks. Um, I've been focusing a lot on, on tracks down here. Um, and then kind of correlate it with my camera data a little bit and set up around there, but I'm going to be aggressive. I'm not going to be afraid about blowing out the buck and I'm going to keep moving. One thing that cameras have helped me do here is realize there's a lot more shooter bucks to go after, um, than what I would have thought originally. Um, so that's given me more confidence to be, to stay aggressive and just hunt the way that I do out of state. Um, honestly, I mean, that has been huge for me. The number of, of shooter bucks I have on camera, um, has given me the confidence to push hard. I don't think I would push that hard, right? Like if I only had like one or two bucks that I wanted to kill on camera, I probably would overthink it and sit out too far that that's i will have that tendency it's funny to talk about being aggressive but if i were to only think there were a few you know deer that i wanted to shoot i would probably try to like overthink it and play the edges and and probably would ruin it by doing that um but knowing what i have on this on this this area um i'm just gonna go in just like i do out of state the time frame um I'm just going to hunt as much as I can, actually. Um, you know, I have a friend who, who kills uh, just, he shot a 175 a couple of years ago. And he's telling me, don't do that. Don't, don't hunt as much as you can. That's, that's what Michigan guys do. And that's how they ruin it. Um, I think Michigan guys overhunt the same area. I think they, you know, in general, I'm, you know, we, we hunt our stand. We've got a couple areas that we like to sit that's not what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be bouncing around based on, on the camera data. I'm not hunting my cameras, but in correlation with where they're feeding and, and what I'm seeing and tracks on the ground. So I'm going to be super aggressive. I don't care if I blow the buck out. There's enough, I'm on 6,000 acres. I can keep chasing them and there's enough bucks to chase. So, um, if I'm on it in November, like if I'm, if I feel like I'm getting close to, to killing, um, this year I'm going to favor Michigan over leaving somewhere else. And I'll just end up hunting later in Illinois. Um, I'm, I'm planning on leaving the 12th cause I don't hunt gun. Um, unless it's the bow only area and I'm using a bow. Um, so there's probably a good chance of right around that, that time period I'm going to Illinois, but I don't think my method is going to change. I'm just going to keep doing what I do. It'll change based on this, you know, where we're at, if it's rudder or if it's early season, but, um, I'm just going to stay aggressive and just keep moving, bouncing all over. So 
Call your shot. When's the first deer hit the ground for uh, the great white saddle hunter? (laughs) Man, I don't want to do that at all. (laughs) Um, Last week of October here in in Michigan, um, I'm pretty confident that I'll, you know, uh, probably within five days out of state, um, I'll I'll get one there too. But um, I'm I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm not a great hunter. I'm really not. And that's what I, I so really just a white to... saddle hunter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I think what I want to encourage guys to do is, is get out of state, get out there and go because there's, 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 there's bigger deer out there. And it, it and like I said, again, if, if you have, if you're willing to shoot a one twenty, and that gets your heart rate going, um, you can do that. Now I will tell you this, um, you know, I'm starting to get a point in my career where, you know, I'm, I'm not going to shoot, you know, the one twenties in, in Illinois or even, you know, probably most States anymore, unless for some odd reason, my heart really starts pounding. Um, then I'll, I'll always do that. I want to have fun. I don't want to get caught up in numbers. Um, but I am into challenging myself. And so this year, like I have set for Illinois, you know, a, a, a bigger goal, in Michigan, though, I mean, hey, a one ten can come walking in and get me really excited, and an arrow's probably going to fly. You know, I'm hoping I can I can hold off for like a one twenty, um, but you know, if I get excited, it's it's I'm gonna let the arrow go. I don't care what it looks like. I'm not I'm not too concerned about that. So, I love that. So, what are you doing like prior to the last week of October? Like, because I I feel like one of the goals that I try to set every year and I fail, but it, it, I mean, last year I just, I just screwed it up, but, uh, like to, to kill one early, like you're doing all of the work, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and it, it, I understand like fully, like my successes have come generally speaking, like during the rut, right. Mm-hmm. Cause that's when you have the best chance. That's when you can be a mediocre hunter and the deer mm-hmm. make the mistake. Right. But we're putting in all the work and we're saying, okay, we're going to go locate these bucks and we're going to do all this work and we're going to do this. And it's like, I feel like an early season kill is like, to me, like somewhat yeah. a validation for all the work that you put in. Like, you know, you could put in all the work in the world and Joe Blow can sit down, you know, in his flannel with his cigarette and his crossbow and kill one in the rut because he put his bucket in the right spot. You know? Yep. Um so that, how do you view early season then? Yeah. So, I mean, this is my first early season. I mean, <laughs> besides going out of, besides going out of state and hunting other states, you know, like I've hunted Wisconsin early season, Nebraska, um, which by the way, I've struck out every time. Um, you know, the guy that I went with, uh, Chris this year, he, he, he got a good, I don't know, probably about 130 inch eight point velvet. Um, but this is my first season because, you know, like ever since coming back, I've just focused on being efficient, you know, picking the week that I feel like I can get it done and then getting it done as fast as I can so I can get back to the family. Um, this year, you know, my kids are, it's funny, it's a lot changes in one year with your kids. Like my kids are teenagers now. I got two of them in high school and all of a sudden it's like, we don't care. Like, we don't need you around, like <laughs> leave us alone. And so my wife's like, go ahead, like dive all the way in, do, do whatever you want to do. So it's been exciting for me. Um, the reason why I'm not like super confident is because this is a pretty big piece of, of big woods. I found 
I'm not exaggerating because I counted them at least 120 beds. You know, I've, I've scouted 200 miles. I've been out there since January one. I'm out there every single weekend. Um, and what I've learned and I've set cameras up around these beds. I've, I've done things, you know, to try to see if I can find a pattern. And, and what I'm finding is that there's lack of a pattern, you know, like I I'm sure there's, there's a monster buck that has his spot that I haven't found because I don't have the skills to find that, that, you know, he's using, you know, two, three beds that are, keep him completely safe and all of that. But the, the type of deer that I'm going after what I've seen um, based on running 30 cameras this year um, I've had bucks uh, a mile apart from day to day. So I've got them, I've caught them, you know, on a camera a mile away. And the next day, you know, they're down the road and in, in, in a different area. Um, I, I find them betting all over the place um, based off convenience and wind and, and terrain. Um, so it's been really hard to even try to attempt to get a pattern. I, I thought that's what I was going to do. Like my whole goal this year was to be like, a mini Jake Bush and go in and, and, you know, like get this little, you know, find 120 incher that I could pattern and, and take out the first, uh, the first week. And I thought out like, at least for me and my skills, it just hasn't happened. You know, I've, I've got general areas where I know bucks are, but they keep shocking me, you know, like I'm, I'm getting the same bucks on camera over and over again. Um, but it's not the same camera. Um, and, and what I'm finding out is they're, they're betting in different areas based on food. Um, I've watched, that's been a lot of fun to be able to watch this season and watch them shift from primarily alfalfa to, you know, what I think they've moved into is, is corn, uh, and then bouncing back to alfalfa every once in a while. And then when the acorns came in, I, I had done, I had set up some, some cameras, on some oaks, uh, some old oaks, just knowing that, you know, hoping that they produce. And, and I've watched, that has been amazing to watch the acorns start to drop and then the cameras just explode. And then I've got, you know, bucks on cameras for three, four days, and then they clear out what's on the ground and then they're gone. Um, so what that told me was chase the food, you know, early season, that's what I'm going to be doing. It's just chasing the food, trying to find them in the area that I'm in. There's not a bumper crop of acorns, which I'm thankful for. Um, but there are acorn producing trees. And so that's what I've been doing lately is just going out, glassing those, finding those, finding the oaks. Um, and I'll be chasing acorns probably for the first, you know, week or so. Yeah. I think that's what we're ended up doing with our, uh, our Patreon hunt. That was what killed all the deer last year was, you know, just locating the tracks going in, follow the tracks going in and oh my God, there's, there's the food and, you know. That's when the deer started to die. So, um, looking forward to that again this year. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, man, this has been fun. You, you were a little nervous coming on here. The yeah. first, first podcast. Uh, I, I think, I think to take away from it is, it is very like a positive attitude. Like go in there, mm-hmm. don't overthink it. Um, and I think, I think guys can really, really take away from that. Yeah. So I almost forgot, like it's been so long. So, I always ask one of our guests, what's your bow and what your, what's your setup? So I heard you say V3 earlier, but yeah, uh, give us all the details on your setup. Yeah. 27 inch V3. Um, I'm shooting, uh, black gold sights. Um, I forgot the name of the, the dropway rest that I have on there. It's been on there for a couple of years now. Um, I'm running a little bit heavier setup, not too heavy. Um, uh, can't even tell you the 
grains on it. I don't get too caught up in all of that kind of stuff. I go to long range archery and just, you know, Hey, give it to them and, and oh, yeah. get it shooting. Right. And then, and then going from there, I did, I did switch. So I was shooting uh black Hornets um, last year um, and they did great. Um, I think I might've been, I might've been getting into the whole um, ranch fairy dust a little bit. And this year I went to uh, a two inch uh, mega meat um, expandable just based on off of what those guys were telling me, you know, they've killed like 20 some deer with them and, and have had no problems with it. So um, I, I went to that because I was going to Nebraska and I thought I was going to be taking longer shots um, and uh, ended up never throwing an arrow, but um, I'm still going to run with them through the season. Uh, they shoot good out of the bow. Um, long range is those guys down there. I, I can't even like toot their horn enough because they, once they tune my bow, it's, it is, it's good with, with uh, whatever broadhead I throw on it. I really don't have to make too many adjustments. So the 27 inch was uh, interesting. I bought that about two years ago. And as soon as I bought it, I thought I made a huge mistake. So I was like, you know, torquing the bow left and right and, couldn't get a steady, you know, just shot going, but now I, I shoot every day. So I shoot, uh, 30 yards in my backyard, um, probably about 10 arrows a day. And there's, I don't think there's many days I, I miss shooting. So now I'm, I'm super confident with it. Um, I'm running a, you know, latitude method to saddle, um, 0.5 lone wolf custom gear. I'll probably just be in the saddle 90% of the time. I use a rebel uh, platform um, and then I've got uh, various sticks, but I'm using some old lone wolf sticks that I customized um, probably most of the year. Um, pretty lightweight going in. I don't bring a whole lot of stuff with me. Um, and uh, I think my heaviest, if I'm, if I'm packed everything I want with it, I've weighed it. I think I'm around 18 pounds with everything. Um most most of the time i'm i'm much lighter than that much lighter than that but nice so yeah. being a being an old school guy are you still shooting fingers or you got to release <laughs> <laughs> yeah I still, no not quite fingers but I, I i can't switch to like the the tension release i'm still on the trigger i still punch that thing too like i'm shooting a gun like <laughs> like just you know going with it but most of my shots honestly like are you know 10 15 yards i do i do find myself because I'm downwind of, of, of that thing a lot. I'm in some thicker stuff. So, you know, the need to shoot 30 yards isn't there, but I can, I can shoot, you know, 50 yards just fine. But um, I don't think I'll ever have that opportunity to do that where I hunt. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, I mean, we said great white saddle hunter on Instagram, anywhere else people can figure out uh, where to follow you or reach out to you if they got questions on like these WMAs with uh, nobody on them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, that one actually, there's only two guys that whole year on there, but, um, and me, I was, I was one of them. Great White Saddle Hunter on, on Instagram. I'm on Facebook too, but Instagram's mainly what I, what I kind of interact with. Awesome. Well, appreciate you taking the time and, uh, we'll have to, we'll have to, uh, maybe December, uh, catch up and, and kind of swap yeah. some stories and, and see how it goes. So, so yeah, thanks again. Good. Yeah. Thanks a lot.